So I want to start by telling you a story of a man who found himself on a cruise ship. So a man wakes up in the cabin of a cruise ship with no memory of how he got there. He walks around, he wakes up, he walks around, he looks around and sees no sort of clues, no sort of hints of who he is, what he's doing on the ship, where the ship is going. He hears some voices outside of his cabin and exits his cabin to find other people, other passengers on the ship, but they're all busy playing games. Some are playing card games, some are playing board games, some of them are swimming, drinking, enjoying themselves while others are you know, walking, talking to themselves, but just going about their day as though everything's perfectly normal. So he, of course, assumes that the problem is with him. He might be having issues remembering what he's doing on the ship and where is he going. So, of course, the logical thing to do is to walk up to the passenger and ask them how he got there or, at the very least, what the ship is and where it's going or where it even came from. So he walks up to one passenger and says, excuse me. The passenger looks up briefly agitated from their board game that they're playing and he says, excuse me. What is this ship? Where did we get on? Where is it heading to? And the passenger says, I don't know. And looks at him, looks at him strangely, then turns around and returns back to their game. Puzzled, this man walks away and thinking, okay, well, that's, that's an odd encounter. And he moves to like another group of people these time, this time these people are playing like shuffleboard or whatever. And he says, hey, excuse me, where are we going? Where did we board? What is this ship? I, I, I apologize, but I woke up with a little bit of a amnesia. And they were like, we, we don't know. So this man now pauses and starts to wonder, okay, what's really happening? What's going on? And, and he goes from group to group, from passenger to passenger and every passenger he asks says they don't know what the ship is they don't remember how they got on it and they don't know where their ship is going on top of that people are now starting to look at him and they're whispering amongst each other pointing fingers at him and asking each other why is he asking questions at this point the man begins to get Afraid, a little nervous, perhaps a bit anxious. Why is he on the ship headed to nowhere? Why does nobody on the ship know where they're going? Why does nobody on the ship know how they got on there? And more importantly, at least in the present moment, why are the passengers treating him as though he was crazy or irrational even to ask? He decides to take it easy a bit and sit down and instead of exposing himself the way he has um at least exposing his psyche to people so that people can now realize and recognize that he's different from them he decides instead to sit and observe so he sits down on the deck and at this point he notices there's about 400 people on the ship right now and as he's sitting on the ship he watches and every once in a while an invisible force comes and takes a passenger away in the middle of them playing a game. He's watching and he's watching, he's watching. 
and a force comes and knocks one to the ground. He's watching and another force comes and touches one and he the passenger touches their chest and falls down. And every time there's an invisible force grabs one of them and hurts one of them or kills one of them, the rest of the passengers run towards the dead passenger, mourns over them, but then in a couple of days they go back to doing what it was that they were doing before whatever game that they were playing before the invisible force struck them. None of them seem concerned that the invisible force could very well come for them next. They don't change. They don't alter their behavior. They just pause for a second, mourn whoever it is that has been taken by this force, and then go back to playing their board games, go back to playing their card games. Now, at this point, the observer is terrified. He feels like he has no idea what to do. He feels powerless. He feels afraid. And more importantly, he feels alone. And yet the, the other passengers are there. So he's surrounded by people. And yet he feels lonely. He feels alone. Then... He continues to watch. He continues to watch over periods of time and he says he notices well, some people die. Others come. New passengers arrive. And all the while, those new passengers seem to ask no questions really about what the ship is, where the ship is going, where they came from, how they got on the ship. And they just pick up a game that a player who was taken out by this invisible form had discarded and they keep moving. Some passengers he's observed and named after a while just disappear. They don't die, they just go missing. And all the while, none of them, none of them pause to ask questions. He long ago had given up communicating with the other passengers because throughout the months and now years that he'd been on the ship he realized that if he continued asking questions they would eventually attack him and kill him and so just out of a sense of sheer survival he kept quiet kept his kept his observations to himself and kept a, a diary a journal and just kept observing what happened on the ship. Eventually, he got old and he died. And yet the ship kept cruising on. One day, years after, a woman finds herself awake in a cabin, knowing no idea, having no idea of how she got there. She runs out of the cabin and asks, what are we doing? Where are we going? How did we get here? And this, he, she is treated in the exact same way that the man was treated before. And she goes on and repeats the same pattern that he did until eventually she picks up the cards, feeling isolated and decides, well, if you can't beat them, then join them, although it's an uncomfortable uncomfortable feeling 
knowing that you were on a ship, knowing that there's an invisible form that force that comes and takes people at random, and knowing that she could be gone at any point in time, and yet knowing that she's surrounded by people who look just like her and behave just like her, but seem to be under some sort of spell and nobody to talk to. But right as she goes to grab, she walks up to where the games are, she goes to grab a deck of cards just to blend in. Out of a sense of self-preservation, she looks closely and she sees an old journal. And on the journal, there is an eye. She picks up the journal, opens it up, and it says, Day One. I found myself awake on the ship where none of the passengers seemed to be aware of where we boarded, where we're going. There seems to be an invisible force that seems to take people at random, but none of the other passengers seem to be bothered. None of the other passengers have a sense of curiosity as to what it is that keeps taking us, what it is that is navigating the ship, and where it is that we're going. And at that moment, as she reads the book, she realizes that she isn't alone. Even if out of time, the first passenger who wrote the book that she was reading now, even if they are out of time, as in they're not existing in the same moment in time together, she at least was not alone in her thoughts. She began to feel at the very least as though she was not the anomaly, or rather she was not the anomaly, that anybody who would find themselves in such a situation who had any sense of logic or understanding or curiosity would ask the same questions. Out of all the months that she had at that point spent on the ship, she had began to question her own sanity. Why would she wonder? Why would she care? And it was it was tough grappling with that, grappling with the idea that there would be something wrong with her. But she knew in her heart, if you find yourself in a ship headed nowhere and you see an invisible force taking people out randomly, why wouldn't you be curious? Why wouldn't you be concerned that it would happen to you? Why wouldn't you be at least curious as to the fact that the ship has been going and going and seems to be going nowhere and passengers every day keep coming in and coming in but from where she doesn't know but in that moment in time she feels a sense of solace and she holds the book and scurries off to her cabin and begins to read she finishes the first passenger's book after several months of reading and then rereading and then rereading it again. And then she decides that it is time for her to write her own book and her own observations. Because eventually she knows after whatever the invisible force is eventually comes for her as it does for every other passenger at any given time, another person just like her will come into this ship will enter the cruise ship with questions, 
feeling alone, feeling isolated, and more importantly, feeling scared. And so she began to continue the tradition that the first passenger did of writing her observations and writing down her questions, even though she knew that none of her questions would be answered. It didn't matter. It was more the simple fact of alerting the others, any others that would find themselves on the ship, alerting them, letting them know that they're not alone, that it is normal to ask questions, that it is normal to wonder where you are, and that the mere fact that all the other passengers don't seem concerned or even remotely aware of the fact that this force is moving the ship, this force is controlling the ship, and that people come in and disappear. Just because other passengers on the ships want to pretend and play games and carry on as though nothing is happening and that everything that is that they're going through and experiencing is completely normal doesn't make it right and so she sat and she wrote her book and she put down her questions it's not about having the answers to the questions it's about having the courage to ask the questions and what that questions do is allow the others that will come after her to know that someone before them had those questions to asked those questions as well so i'm sure at this point in the story and in this point of this podcast you're aware that the ship the story of the ship applies to us here on earth and the passengers are humanity all right and i have had i've spoken to so many people who listen to the podcast and say, you know, I'm grateful that you have a podcast like this because when I try to turn and ask my friends and family and loved ones to talk to them about the questions that I have about the nature of this reality, about this world and what's really happening, I am treated like there's something wrong with me for questioning what is happening? And so when I listen to a podcast like yours, it makes me feel at the very least that I'm not alone, that somebody out there, where however far away in space, however far away in time, somebody out there is making the same observations and coming to similar conclusions that I have. Now, the story that I told was... Uh, was based on a writing by an author named Bernard Shannon. And I came across a story. He used the analogy of the cruise ship, but I came across the short story by reading um, Osho, an Osho book. And for those of you who have been listening regularly, you've heard me refer to Earth, not using the ship analogy, but a house analogy. Um, and it was an analogy. The house analogy is something that I came up with on my own, or I should say came to me um, on, on its own, where you imagine yourself in a home and you wake up in a home and you can't leave the house. And there's 20 other residents 
in that same house and there's food. The house is stocked with food and water and things to do and games and all of that. But for some reason, when you go to walk out the door, you can't leave the house. And when you look outside the window, you see that there are other homes in that same street, but they all appear to be destroyed. And when you turn to ask all the other inhabitants of the home, what is going on? What are we doing here? How did we get here? Why can't we leave? You are met with suspicion you are met with anger you are met with people questioning your sanity as though somehow finding yourself in a situation where you have no idea how you got there and why you can't leave as though asking questions is a sign of mental illness and so when I came across the book, um, or not the book, the short story by Osho, I immediately thought of what the analogy that I had given on my podcast about how a person finds himself in the home and can't leave. And I'm going to assume that that story about the shipmate, um, or I should say about the 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 passenger who found himself in a ship of a uh, filled with people who had amnesia, I'm going to assume that that story was written way before my time, um, way before now. I looked everywhere and really couldn't find where that book came from um, or who Bernard Shannon even was. But he was quoted by Osho in uh, a book that I'm reading now about the Sufis. And if you want to check the book out, it's called Sufis, The People of the Path, Volume 1. So I say all of that to sort of say this. If you find yourself at any given point in time in a situation where things are happening that you can't explain, of course, your first your first step is just look to others, to seek out others and ask them, did you see that? Do you understand this? What is going on? And nine times out of ten, when you do that, you're met with people who basically try to discredit what you have observed. The way the passenger on the cruise ship was met with people treating him as though there was something wrong with him for wondering what the ship was, how they got on there, where they were going, and more importantly, who was navigating the ship? What was the what was behind the invisible force? Right? There's nothing wrong with you. Sometimes you almost feel like, at least for me, I can, I guess, speak for myself. I sometimes feel like I'm awake in some sort of weird Twilight Zone, you know, episode. And perhaps the writers of the Twilight Zone series wrote what they wrote because they found themselves feeling that way just by living on this planet. Um, But I, I really, really wanted to share that story because it made me realize that 
throughout time, there are always going to be people who, or there have always been people who have found themselves on the ship called Earth, right? And have wondered what it is that we're doing here. My question more is, I guess the, I should say the bigger question is, why is it, what is it about this place that makes it so that there aren't more people asking those questions or wondering about the nature of our reality and things of that nature? And more, and more importantly, or most importantly, why is it that those who do try to ask the questions about the nature of reality why is it that they are unmasked attacked and um i guess quieted right that's something that you you and i i guess really have to give a lot of thought to because it's not abnormal if i kidnapped you if i kidnapped the average person right now and you know put them in the basement and you wake up and you find yourself awake in the basement, you're going to ask yourself, okay, who kidnapped me? What am I doing here? How do I get out of here? Why can't I leave? What You're going to have questions. I mean, I think that that's normative for any human being. And I think that the average human being, if you put them in, in a situation like that, where you take them out of their, what is their natural element, and then they are, you know, they wake up with some level of amnesia. The first thing you're going to have is questions. So why is it that that's understood? That finding yourself in a situation where you can't leave and you don't know how you got there. Why is it that that's understood? That it's normative to have questions. But then having questions about the nature of this reality that we find ourselves in somehow makes you abnormal, right? Somehow you're met with questions People questioning your sanity. People saying, why do you ask so many questions? Why can't you just go with it? To me, that makes me wonder what's wrong with people. What's happening with them? I'm not the anomaly here. I'm normal. My behavior is normal. Me asking questions about how I got here, how we got here, and where's the ship going, so to speak, is normal. Me making you know, coming up with hypothesis as to the nature of reality. Me, this whole podcast where I'm saying, you know, what if, what if we're being observed by unseen entities? And I've, you know, speculated on that. That doesn't make me crazy. You know, I will be met with the label of crazy, but that doesn't make me crazy. If nobody is providing adequate questions, that's what the brain is supposed to do. I should say, if nobody's providing adequate answers to any the questions that are, literally, we're drowning in questions in this world. And we have no answers. It's just speculations. No definite answers. The mere fact that we do have questions, right, even regardless of whether or not there are answers to them, the fact that we are capable of asking questions should should cue you into the fact that you're supposed to be asking questions and you're supposed to be formulating theories and I you know and ideas about what's going on instead of just going, oh well, I just found myself here. I don't know how I got here. Every once in a while people go missing. Every once in a while, you know, somebody dies of some crazy freak accident. Um but let's just 
keep on going like nothing's going to happen to me. That's wild. To me, the fact that more people would rather just go about their lives without questioning the nature of this world. That's the weird thing. It's not the people that have the questions. It's the people that don't have the questions that are the ones who are weird. I guess for me, it was just quite touching to see that a similar analogy had been written, like I said, out of time. Here I am talking about, you know, asking about the nature of reality and saying, you know, using the analogy of finding yourself in a house and being unable to leave, you know, a well-stocked home, but a prison nonetheless, unable to leave and yet surrounded by homes that seem to be destroyed. And by the way, if you haven't heard me give that analogy before, the other homes are the other planets. You know, we're taught about Mars, Jupiter, Venus, and all of that. And we're told that at one point they they probably supported life, particularly Mars. And yet the majority, ask a person, walk up to the, the average person and ask them, hey, you ever wonder what happened to Mars, to the Martians? Bet you 10 out of 10, gonna, 10 out of 10 people are going to look at you like you've lost your fucking mind. But if you are in your neighborhood right now and you wake up and you look outside your window and your neighbor's houses are all blown to bits, you're going to have fucking questions. <laughs> right? So why are you, why are you an anomaly for having questions about waking up in a planet surrounded by dead planets? Is this thing on? Hello? <laughs> right? Right. So saying all that to say this, that it is normal to have questions. Bear in mind that it's also normal to seek answers. But like the second passenger I gave in the analogy, the woman who found the book, understand that the writer of the first book, the first passenger, had to come up with his own answers to the myriad of questions that he asked himself but he was not an authority he did not make the ship he is not behind the invisible force he really had no idea for as long as he lived what was really happening all he could what was really happening on the ship rather all he could do was speculate speculate and guess all right and he put it down and wrote it and hoped that somebody it would you know be beneficial to somebody else but they were based on his observations and his brain and his mind and his experiences now the second passenger the woman the second conscious passenger who awoke and found herself in the ship and ran around asking questions and then found the book with the eye on it she decided she was going to write her story and her observations and tie in what he observed and what she observed in order to sort of build some sort of sense of continuity for the people who came after. Now, you can, from, from, you know, from a listener's perspective, you can obviously guess that because the people, the passengers who were conscious enough to ask questions about the nature of the ship and how they got there, were passengers themselves, their guess would have been as good as anybody else's. Their guess, right? Passenger one's guess about what was happening would have been as good 
as passenger two's guess about what was happening. And any other passenger that came after that and read, you know, and wrote down, read the first two passengers' books and then wrote down their own observations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then pass it on. Now imagine 2,000 years later, <clears throat> people are still entering the ship. The majority of people on the ship have no idea what's going on. And there are a few who have no idea what's going on, but at least have questions, although those questions never seem to have answers. Now, imagine somewhere along the line, 2,000 years later, right? The cycle is continuing. And now instead of that one book or two books, we now have 300 books written by 300 passengers out of like, let's say a million passengers that have come and gone. 300 of those passengers have been conscious, have been awake and have had questions and have written books. Now, imagine people who are on the ship who didn't have the questions, but they start, they now start developing fear as to, okay, we don't know what this hidden force is that's causing us to mourn, you know, and that's taking away, you know, the people that over time we've now started to get, you know, close to and familiar with and we've started to love. And now all of a sudden this invisible force comes and takes them away. So now the passengers, the unconscious passengers are beginning to get afraid. And so a conscious or maybe even an unconscious passenger finds one of these same books and reads it, doesn't realize that that book was written by somebody just like them, who just for whatever reason, happened to have questions, and perhaps formulate answers. Now, when the person was formulating answers, right, the conscious passenger was formulating answers, they were just writing, right? They were, it's like you're brainstorming. You're trying to figure something out. You're hoping that the person who comes, you know, the next conscious person that comes after you is going to be able to kind of add to it or take away from, but it's a puzzle, right? It's a, and it's a puzzle within a very small group of people, right? And those small group of people are the people who are, who happen to just for whatever reason, be conscious enough to ask questions and come and try to come up with the answer. Now imagine, you know, through time, one of the unconscious passengers or a group of the unconscious passengers gets their hand on these books and then starts taking the observations, the assertions, the conclusions, and the theories of the conscious individuals that had come before, um, not as what they were, not as theory, but as fact. And then they start decide to base their whole belief system, the structure, religion, family, sense of morality, all of that, they base it on these books, a collection of books written just by conscious individuals who found themselves on a ship and had questions or maybe even creative individuals who just, in order to, to maintain some sense of peace created stories you know and they said okay 
you know, like imagine being alone. You're you're a conscious individual on this cruise ship and you're alone and you can't talk to anybody. So you take your book and you just on a, on just one random day just start writing stories about where you do where you think the ship came from, where you think the ship is going, who you think put the crew members together, who you think keeps coming and taking the people or you're just making shit up, right? Right? Just making shit up, writing it down. Now, thousands of years later, these unconscious people happen because they can't sit and formulate theories of the, on their own, right? They can barely sit and ask questions. They're incapable of even asking questions about the nature of the ship, you know, and how they got there. But they happen across this book. It's old, it's ancient. They open it up and it's, you know, it has written on there. The first passenger says, maybe half jokingly, maybe, maybe not. Maybe just musing, you know, I think that this entity, you know, some all-powerful entity created all the ocean and created the ship and then created us. And then when we're bad, it sends this unseen force to come and take us or whatever. And it's obviously pure speculation because at the end of the day, if you're catching what I'm putting down, he, the person who wrote the book, was a passenger just like the rest. They had no answers. All they had was their imagination but the passengers, the unconscious passengers who now have access to this book are incapable of creativity, of imagination. And so they take what he's written at face value and then they base a whole belief system on that. So I'm going to get off the ship analogy because I think you guys understand now what I'm talking about. That's what, what we have on our planet right now. We all have a system. We are all obliged to follow belief systems, morality, mores, definitions of what quote-unquote normal is, what normative behavior is, how we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, how you're supposed to think. We walk around with this, with these expectations of ourselves as though they were some sort of mandate given to us by quote, God, when all the while, a lot of our understanding of what right and wrong is, was formulated by human beings, no different than you. Once again, a lot of our concepts of more of, of morality, of what's right and wrong, were concepts, ideologies that were formulated by human beings, just like yourself, the same individuals who found themselves just like you, woke up in the world, had no idea what the fuck this world was, where we're going. They have no, quote, magical powers, right? They have no, quote, insight from God, right? It's all intuition, right? It's all creativity. It's all speculation. It's all guessing. And maybe to a certain extent, maybe even memory. Maybe they had lived many lives and come back and, you know, died and come back and died and through, you know, as you keep dying, coming back, your experience starts cueing you in to what this world possibly could be. Your experience within this world, your experience at the point of death, you know, eventually those membranes start to break down. You start remembering bits and pieces of your past life while you're in a present life and it comes to you as intuition and you write it down or you make a law or you start a, 
you know, a club or you, you know, do whatever it is you feel like you can, you need to do to, you know, disseminate this information and people take that information and build a religion out of it. And next thing you know, we're doing things, thinking things, behaving in ways as though these, the way we're supposed to behave were mandates passed on by some bearded big, big daddy in the sky, so to speak. You know, I, I was, I was having really, really deep conversations with my, with my husband about what our expectations are to our family. And what I said to him was, I don't understand why I have to accept abuse from people merely because they are related to me. Simply because our bodies physically share the same blood. You know, somebody somewhere down the line decided that for whatever reason, if it helps hold society together, if it helps strengthen the power of the state, for whatever reason, one individual, one person arbitrarily decided, you know what, I think familial bonds should be more important no matter the consequence, no matter the cost to your psyche, to your self-esteem, to your well-being, to your mental health. A human being just like you arbitrarily decided based on their experiences that familial bonds, regardless of the level of abuse that you suffer from members of people who exists within your family, they decided that none of that should matter simply because that person is your mother, simply because that person is your father, simply because that person is your sister, daughter, in-law, whatever the fuck, right? Familiar bonds are more important. One person decided that maybe that person happened to be close to somebody in power. Maybe that person happened to be somebody in power for whatever reason, some Tom, some Dick, some Harry, probably a male, woke up and decided this is the rule. A person you don't you you don't know, a person who I can't name, a person who is lost in time, lost in space, is now affecting the way billions of people live their lives. There are people who are suffering through angst, pain, guilt because somebody in their family is causing them pain. And they have an idea that was imposed on them by a human being that they have never met and will never meet that says, no matter what level of abuse that you are basically subjected to by a member of your family, you should not be able to walk away from them or cut them off or block them or cut them out of your life simply because that person is your brother, simply because that person is your sister simply because that person is your mother. You should suffer. Suffering, you should accept suffering from that individual. So you are being governed by a rule that was created by somebody you never met, who lived thousands of years ago that was less intelligent, definitely less hygienic, right? and had less understanding of the nature of reality than we do right now. And they are determining how people in the past 
right? Who, and, and maybe that law applied at that time, right? I'm not saying it didn't. It served a purpose at that time, but does it serve the purpose now? And at the, at the, at the end of the day, should you be governed by the laws of a person that was that existed thousands of years ago? Or should you make your own rules? Should you be governed by your own rules, by your own expectations? The, that very idea doesn't even cross people's minds, you know, that they can define on their own what makes them a, quote, good person. Why should you even aspire to be defined by others as a good person? Why should you care about how other people judge you? We are imprisoned both by labels and by the fear of what other people think. Think about how many people are living lives of chaos and pure suffering and hell simply out of fear, concern, worry of what people think. There are people driving cars that they don't really enjoy, making payments on vehicles that ultimately they only bought in order to manage the thoughts of other people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine buying a multi-million dollar home, right? That is five five sizes too big for your family, right? Or driving a, you know, $200,000, $300,000 car that really you don't need. You don't need a car that drives that fast. If it's a Ferrari that you decide, okay, I'm going to go, oh, Bugatti, Right? Where the fuck are you going (laughs) where you need to be driving that fast? Is that safe? The majority of people who buy those kind of vehicles are buying it to manage the thoughts of other people. They're doing things to manage the thoughts. Imagine living your whole life, structuring your whole life on something as intangible as thought. Imagine building your whole entire life on on a foundation, right? Imagine building your whole entire life on a foundation as intangible as other people's thoughts, who you'll marry, who you'll date, who you'll be friends with, what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in, what kind of clothes you wear, how you'll wear your hair, what you'll do with your makeup, whether or not to get your nose done, whether or not to get an implant. Like imagine building who you are, all of what you are, your are, you, I can't talk, all of what you are, your persona, your life, your dreams, Imagine constructing all of that on the foundation of other people's thoughts. The thoughts of family members who the only relationship that they have with you in that sense is you were like born into this fucking family, right? There was a comedian 
um, I think it was Louis C.K. who said, you know, what what is the criteria in which I have to hang out with my daughter's friends, parents, right? Children don't really have criteria in which they choose their friends. They just go, you're the same height as me. Let's be friends now, right? And the same applies to family, right? We were born into the same household. You're my family now. Doesn't matter if your father, you know, is an abusive alcoholic, right? You're just supposed to tolerate that shit because, well, you were born into that. The fuck? Like, think about how unhealthy that is psychologically. How many people put up with things, allow their lives to be driven, pushed, manipulated by ideas. So let's put everything into perspective, okay? So thousands of years ago, one, and I always call these people sheep fuckers, just to put things into perspective, okay? Some cave dwelling sheep fucker came up with the concept that no matter what, no matter what, a person that you that you are born into, like a family, I should say, that you're born into, or the family that you create, you are obliged to, for the rest of your fucking life, no matter what they do, right? And from that point on, you now have to live your life according to their expectations and their judgment, Right? So the big one for me, and I'm not raging against my family, I'm just speaking, um, or at least the families that I like, <laughs> at least the family members that I like. Um, but a big one for me was my, my mom, right, pushing me um, to, you got to go to college. So I wanted to go to school, I wanted to go to school for art because like, from the moment I could pick up a pencil, the first thing I did was draw, like this body was meant to create. I am happiest when I'm creating. I am happiest with something in my hand. You give me a brush, you give me a pencil, you give me a pen. I am I am in heaven. But my mom was more concerned and and this is not a judgment of her because she's under the same spell that the rest of us are, right? Expectations and fear of other people's thoughts. So in her mind, it would have been better for me, it is better for me, or it would have been better for me had I gotten a degree, gone to school to become a doctor. I didn't want to be a doctor. I wanted to be an artist. But that didn't matter because in her mind, as her mother, or as my mother, that's a role, right? My mother, it her role was to define my life choices first of all that's fucked up like you already got to choose my name (laughs) right to a certain extent simply because I was born into your family I you also chose my religion right so I don't get to choose my name I don't get to choose my religion and now you're saying I have to choose a life path that 
makes you happy. So now I can't even live my, my own life. What the fuck? No. 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 <laughs> right? But how many people are out there living other people's life, living lives that are basically defined by or founded on, right? Built upon the the hopes, the dreams, the expectations of other people or and the fear um of the judgment of other fucking human beings who aren't living your life, right? So think about how many things you are doing right now that are not because they make you happy, not because they're things you want to do, right? But are like like a career that you have right now, maybe even the person that you're married to, right? It's not because you wanted to marry that person. Maybe not even that you were necessarily attracted to that person. It just was what you thought other people wanted you to do. It was what society expected from you, which once again, all society is, is, co- is a collection of other people's thoughts, right? That's all our mores are. That's all our, our laws are. It's just random individual human beings who happen to have the power to, to you know, to conv- convince other people that this was a good idea whatever this whatever this is and so now we are we're not living right we're all living sort of these weird automated lives based on what other people think right we're just doing things based on what people 2000 years ago wrote right that's your whole religion like all the three major religions are based on what people thousands of years ago, one person thousands of years ago did and what a bunch of other people edited and said that they did for whatever reasons. That's what's controlling your life. And then you have, you know, your family members, what your mom expects from you, right? That's what's controlling your life. What your children expect from you, that's what's controlling your life. What society expects from you, that's what's controlling your life. So you buy a house that you don't want, really. That That's probably too big for you, right? But you're expected because you earn a certain amount of money. You're expected by whoever, right, that you should have this big house and you should have this nice cars. And so you're living your whole life based on the expectations of other fucking people why do you care why should you care why should you care when ultimately they all found themselves butt ass naked on this planet in this world with the same questions that you have not knowing how they got here like this like the analogy i said of the you know the passenger on the ship none of us not the people who wrote the bible not the person who not your pastor, not your priest, not the Pope, none of them. Every every book, even Osho, and I love his stuff, but I'm and I'm grateful for his stuff because it's his writing that has brought me to the conclusion that I'm sharing with you guys right now. None of us know what the fuck we're doing here. So if you're basing your whole life on belief, because you believe that whatever was written 2000 years ago was written by God even though the definition of 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 
of God was created by those same people 2,000 years ago, and they created a monstrosity of a God, a monstrosity of an, of a, of a, of an entity that has no compassion, no love, and then they called it love, even though it killed people for being gay, even though it killed children, it like just for no reason and prided itself in being anger. And then on the opposite, or being angry, I should say. And then on the opposite end, you have atheists who have decided that they're just not going to believe in the concept of at all of some sort of creative energy and they're going to rely on science instead. Like that's any better. It's just the opposite end of the spectrum. And it's a rebellion for sure against what was written 2,000 years ago, but it's still based on the conclusions of other people who also came up with some shit a long time ago. And I don't know if you've noticed, but with science, people are always certain about a thing until the next generation, and then they're not. Science evolved. There was a time when Newtonian physics, everybody knew that Newtonian physics was was right, and now we've moved on to Einsteinian and and then people are now disproving Einstein and like it's evolution so I should say it's adaptation I don't like the word evolution but um so here we are basing our understandings and beliefs and our whole entire life and the way we live with absolute zero freedom you are being we are all being governed governed by the expectations rules thoughts um, ideologies of of regular human beings who found themselves on spaceship Earth, right, cruise ship Earth, the same way you did, and they came up with theories of okay, well, this is what we think this world is, right? Everybody thinks that their religion is is the religion, right? Christians think that they're they're God's chosen ones, and so do you know Muslims, and so do Jews, and I'm sure if you asked you know, the ancient Greeks, they would have said that they were Zeus's chosen people, right? Everybody thinks that their God is the greatest God. Nobody pauses and thinks like, you know, it was just a human being just like you that just wrote some shit, right? Just wrote some shit, made some stories up, put that shit out there. And a bunch of people believed it. And now, now you're going to church every Sunday. You don't know why. Now you can't have fish on, or you can't have meat on Friday. And you don't know why. Like, how many things do we do? Like, how many routine, regular things do we do without even thinking that are actually a result of some individual, no different from you, came up with the concept thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, and now they're controlling your life down to what you do first thing in the morning. How you choose to speak, how you choose to dress, how you choose to carry yourself. At what point do you stop and say, fuck, it is too, there's too much noise in my head. And the noise in your head isn't even your own voice. You never got to find your own voice. Like you think the voice in your head is you, it's not. It's all of the bullshit of all of the other voices of, quote, influential human beings, which you got to ask yourself what made them influential and who are these entities or people that you've never met, 
right, who came before you, it's their voice in your head telling you what you should and shouldn't do, what is, quote, right and what is wrong, what you should feel guilty about and what you shouldn't feel guilty about, right? Morality, decency, ethics, right? You can't even ask yourself what you feel is right. You can't even hear your own voice. Why must you, why should you esteem any other fucking human being above yourself? When we are all the same. Right? That's what Osho said. It's either... He was like, you're not special if everybody else is special. And everybody else is special. So you can look at it as a two-edged sword. We're taught to esteem other individuals, other human beings, and put them above above ourselves. Well, that person is a this. That person is a scientist, so they must know better. That person is a doctor, so they must know better. No, that person is just a human being who's butt-ass naked, who's running on a set of assumptions. You know, there was a time when witch doctors were viewed with the same respect as our doctors now, when they were rubbing, like, feces on people's faces and cutting off chickens and rubbing bloods on blood on people's forehead they were esteemed just as highly as we esteem modern doctors now and philosopher or uh, professors now and scientists now right and time is going to show that a lot of what we thought was science that has gotten us through this far a lot of people are going to look back in time and think we were primitive. We're going to look back at us and think everything that we think that this is the pinnacle of man's achievement. People are going to look back at us and think that this is primitive. Everything we're doing is primitive. The way we look back in time at people and the way I'm urging you to look back in time at those people and say, you know, that was their observations or projections, you know, that their ideologies are primitive. Ultimately, nobody is better than anybody else here. And so if another person can basically dictate what kind of life you should live, and if other people's ideas and concepts are dictating your life without you knowing, you need to pause. You need to pause and hit a reset button and really ask yourself, what do you want from life and how do you want to live? Because it, it shouldn't matter who's in your life influencing, trying to influence you to live your life. You're the one who has to live your life. And living your life basically so that people can think about you in a particular way, right? Living your life chasing people's thoughts and people's approval is ridiculous. You're, it's like building a home on a foundation of, of air, on something intangible. Thoughts are intangible. You give them power by allowing them to, power, to have power over you. The voice in your head, as I said, is a conglomeration of the random ideas of the random individuals and people that you've never met that came before you, influencing you, defining you. challenge that we all found ourselves on this world butt naked with questions the same as everybody else come up with your own answers come up with your own way of live of living come up with your own culture come up with your own laws rule your own self
Stop letting people out of time, no matter what, when, no matter what labels that they have attached to themselves. Stop letting, letting them rule you.